0: We wanna thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction Church today. As you hear this message, we pray that your faith will grow and you'll be both encouraged and challenged. If you enjoy what's happening at Cowboy Junction, it would really help us out a lot if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share this online. You can also help us reach others by partnering with us financially. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at cowboyjunctionchurch.com give We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, so let me just tell you, if you ever get mad at the roll-ins, you're like, that's not funny. It's your fault. (laughs) And the reason why is because Chris has put out there on social media, we need your help. Help us build the roll-in. And so every week there's a different roll-in thanks to the folks that contribute to their favorite memes, okay? And Chris puts them on there, and let me just tell you, they've gotten a lot better from the first week. You guys have helped a whole lot more. So we're in this series called Jesus Loves Memes, and we are taking the book of Philippians, and we are taking a look at it in some fresh eyes, and so that we can kind of do some modern-day parables and some things that cause people to lean in, We are taking Philippians and applying memes to them so that you can look at it through different viewpoints and maybe get an aha moment in it. Now, I made you this promise at the beginning of Philippians. It's a really cool promise. If you come every week, we are going to make you a promise that we will cover one chapter of Philippians. Now, for some people, that's a very big deal. You've never read a chapter of the Bible in your entire life. We're going to do it every week. So every time you come back, last week I thought Pastor Jeff did an amazing job. He's so good. He's such a good teacher. Gosh, he's so awesome. And, 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 and once again, you covered Philippians chapter 2. It, since you're here today, if you made all three services, this will be the third chapter of the Bible you have read. And that's pretty awesome. Now, if you come back next week, and, and, and the last, that's the last one is next week, you will have officially read the entire book of Philippians and for some of you you didn't even know you could do it and you did it and it was awesome and it was fun and 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 I've uh, really appreciated the staff helping me out putting this whole thing together but Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going today so you can get your bible out turn your smartphone on if you have a device that doesn't have a bible app on it i want to highly recommend you go to you version of the bible do it right now so i'm not going to hurt my feelings if you're typing during i'm preaching as long as you're downloading that that app cowboy junction internet is right now it's up it's working. You can get on right now, and you can download the U you version, Y O U V E R S I O N of the Bible. Okay, and it's one of the best Bible apps you can ever find. Now go to just turn it on. You don't want to go to any any translation just yet. You want to go to the New King James Translation, the NKJ, NKJV. Okay. And uh, that's kind of the translation we use when we teach around here. We love the Message Bible. We love different translations. But it's the New King James that we teach from whenever we get together as a family here today. So go to Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to get started. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, you and I had a lot of conversation this morning. I can't wait to see what you do. But the family has assembled, and one by one, every service is going to be showing up. And we're gathering around your table. And Heavenly Father, today, I thank you that you're here and you're real. And I ask again for your anointing, that we would not get the opinion of men and we would not have a stance as a church other than your kingdom stance. And what does your scripture say? And may all our opinions diminish In light of your word and your truth. Father, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, Paul starts off like this. Verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for to me to write the same thing. Everybody say the same thing. To you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. One of the things I, I want to just encourage you is pay attention to this portion of Scripture. Philippians chapter 1 really takes a, 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 a right turn, a left turn. You hear the, the, the tire squeal as Paul just goes, Aah! and he yanks the wheel really quick. And he addresses something that sometimes we have questions about, but we don't get the answers to. And it is, what if you keep hearing the same thing over and over and over again? My pastor says the same thing over and over again. And sometimes it can be obnoxious. It's like, come on, dude, read another portion of the Bible. Let's move on. But a lot of times what it is, it's, it's, this, it's, it's, this, it's this safe thing that God is doing in your life to make sure that repetition gets this in your heart. I, I, let me tell you one way it works. There's a lot of people who call me and say, you're not going to believe this. But I was driving down the road and Joel preached the very same thing you preached. And you're not going to believe this. But I was driving down the road and Mark Batterson taught the very same thing you did on his podcast. You're not going to believe this. But Craig Groeschel preached the very same thing you preached driving down the road. And I turned to him and I say, yeah, but but I got it first. I got it first. They copied me. Those guys listen to my podcast. Joel, man, he just sits there and waits for us to put it on the internet, and then he he preaches everything I preach. I don't mind, though. I don't mind. I'm being funny. Uh, And the reason why I think you have to pay attention to this, it's not everybody's copying everybody's message. Could you imagine just for a minute how everybody, just, just click off. There you go. Offs. There you go. He's got it. It is very important for us to realize that everybody is being led by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. You're being led by the Holy Spirit right now. Uh, Be led by the Holy Spirit. He may keep bringing things up. Here at Cowboy Junction, maybe there's some things that come up that, that you feel like I've heard this before. Maybe you've heard love God, love people, no limits before. Yeah, And it feels like Groundhog Day. It's, like, I, it's just like every day after I have to come to church, church. He says the very same thing over and over again. But do you realize how good it is for you to have a little Groundhog Day when it comes to what, what's the purpose of life? Around here, we like to say we love God, we love people, and there's no limits to what we can do. Maybe you've heard this one before. Uh, let's give God our very best. You're just so sick of hearing every offering. Ties say, let's give God our very best. Let's give God our very best. Let me give God our very best. Let me ask you a question. Have you given God your very best yet? Okay, then you got to hear it some more. (laughs) If there's anything that the devil would love to just attack you on, it's like, what do I give God? This would be good enough. But I hear all the time, "Give God your very best." It sounds like you need to hear it again, and this is one of those things we struggle with a lot. What does my best look like? What does God's best look like? What, what do I have that He's wanting? And when we keep putting up in front of it, it keeps going up in front of us it because it's always going to be something we need to be learning. Something here at Cowboy Junction that you might say, "I've heard this before." Because we love, I love you, Jesus loves you, and don't you ever forget it. This is a personal one for me, and it's how I wrap up every message. Did anybody know the story behind this? I haven't told the story in a very long time. Did y'all know that the very first bit of ministry I ever did in my entire life was the bus route in downtown Phoenix? In downtown Phoenix on Van Buren Street. And if you've ever been in, in, in Phoenix, Van Buren Street is the ghetto. And for two years of my life, I ran a bus down there and picked up inner city kids. I made sure they had clothes. I made sure they had food. I helped them with their homework for two years. This is before rodeo ministry or anything. I, I, was, still, I was still a kid from southeastern New Mexico, but I, I, I gave my heart in the inner city. And, I, and these kids fell in love with me, and I fell in love with them. And I was the only white guy for miles. And... And built a great relationship. And these kids, there's like 180 of them that, that we would rotate and pick up. And, and um, one day we got a phone call from uh, the police department saying, we need you down here immediately. And so we raced down the middle of the night to Van Buren Street. And there was these kids that we knew very well. We picked them up. I picked them up for two years. Little bitty kids, little bitty kids. Uh, there was a little bitty one. There's an older one and there was a a teenage uh, little girl that she was just kind of like the mom of the group. Her mom and dad, dad was out of the picture and mom was on drugs, but we'd pick those kids up and we'd love on them. We'd clothe them, we'd give them food, we'd help them with their homework. And um, the police brought us down there and we hadn't seen them. We hadn't seen them for a while. And it'd been about a week and we went by and knocked on the door and nobody was there. And the police brought us in and the dad had come back and um, murdered the mom. And uh, while he was trying to, to leave, the teenage girl came around the corner and he killed her too. And the only two left were the little boy and, and his, and his, and his uh, older brother who was only, I think he was only six years old. And um, it, it, w- it was one of the strangest experiences because I got to backtracking the, the police had to, not, they had to cut the door in half to push the top part open because her body was blocking the door, and, and they couldn't get they'd eaten everything in the house they'd started eating the cardboard boxes. I'm, I'm sorry I went this route. I haven't thought about this story in forever. And and why do I tell you guys I love you? Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it? Because I was laying in bed one night and I was thinking about all why they didn't answer the door. On the other side of the door I was knocking on was, was their mother's body. And it dawned on me. The week before, they did get on the bus. And I told every kid as they left, I love you. Jesus loves you. I love you. Jesus loves you. I love you. Jesus loves you. And these two, before they got off, the four-year-old, the, four-year-old, the six-year-old, the teenage daughter, I hugged them and I said, I love you. Jesus loves you. And they just were like, okay, okay. And they just were gone. Do you know it was the last words I ever told them? I love you. Jesus loves you. And neither one of us knew the hell that the rest of their week would be like. And so when I as a pastor turn to you and say, I love you, Jesus loves you, and don't you ever forget it. It comes from a bus route day when I was 19 or 20 years old. From what if it's the last thing I ever get to tell you? What if you forget this whole sermon, but the very last thing you remember is, Ty, I got to roast in the oven. I know, but wait before you go. I love you. Jesus loves you. And don't you ever forget it. My gosh, preacher, we sat here all the whole time listening to you. When are you going to be done? Okay, 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 okay. But do you know I love you? Do you know Jesus loves you? I never want you to forget that. Because for those kids, it was the last thing they ever heard me say to them. Anyway, that's the story on that. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever hear sometimes we say this? If we all do what we're supposed to be doing, then we'll all be doing what we're supposed to be doing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's true though, if we are. Paul begins to teach and he says, hey guys, don't think this is tedious stuff. He turns around and he says, beware of dogs in verse two. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. This word mutilation is actually the word to describe Paul's way of describing circumcision. And If you don't know what circumcision is, don't Google it right now. Wait till you get home, okay? And I want you to be very careful of what you find. All the teenagers, you want to hand your phone to your mother to make sure that she approves the pictures that pop up this is a story of Moses and something that God did through the people. It's a story of us separating ourselves from the flesh. Every person in this room battles the flesh. We're going to get to that in a minute. But Paul is looking here and he's trying to get the, the idea of we have to work for our faith out of the way which was the Jewish way of if you do this, God will love you. If you do this, God will love you. And Paul's trying to say God loves you whether you do it or not. It's his love that's going to change you. If there's anybody in the room looking for change, God's love changes you, not law, not rules. The law gives us a warning sign. The law is waving its hands going, you've drifted off course. We are the rules telling you you've gone too far it's a way to convict a person's heart to realize just how out of bounds they have got but the laws never rescued anyone it was the love that set up the laws that warned those who have got out of bounds to come back and then once you come back it's the love of god that draws you even closer to his heart to follow him this is what paul's trying to explain Circumcision is a very serious thing, but Paul doesn't call it circumcision. He calls it mutilation because it's not a faith step. It's an action, and you've built a faith around the works. Paul goes on in verse 3, for we are the circumcision. He says we, when we follow Jesus, that's the real circumcision. Who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. Let me explain this. Paul is saying real circumcision is the circumcision of the heart. For the circumcision that you follow when he's talking to the Jews is you think because you're circumcised it makes you people of God. And all it is is mutilation, if that's what it is. I wanna see your heart. That's what this teaching is about today. Don't tell me you're a Christian. Show me how you're following Jesus. Don't tell me you're a Christian. I want to see the life of God, the life of Christ inside of you. Maybe you came from denominations or or different groups of people who, who set up the importance of the value of church. And church is very important. But if we put church before the relationship, it's religion. Come on, think about this. We have a lot of religious sex in our in our in our in our circle of the world, it's it's these dogmatic ways of thinking based on how you grew up, where you grew up, and you think just because you call yourself a whatever it might be, then you're officially a, ch- a follower of Christ, and that has nothing to do with it. It's basically mutilation. But I want to see your heart. I want to see you follow Jesus. I want to see you look like him. I want to see your life be completely devoted followers of Christ Jesus. And Paul says, I want to see it in the form of worshiping God in spirit. I want to, be, I want to see it in rejoicing in who you are in Christ Jesus. And I want to see no confidence in the flesh. Which means like an angel. Remember when the angel... Was approached by a a, a man in the Bible, and the man asked, Who are you for? Are you for them or are you for us? And the angel said, I'm for neither one of you. I'm here for God. You may feel like you're right, they may be completely in the wrong, but I could care less about either one of you. I'm here for God. And until we're able to walk away from our flesh that way, we have not truly stepped into the kingdom of God. Drop your opinions. Drop your political views. Drop your attitude. Drop the way you were grown up until we completely submit ourselves to the kingdom of God. It's just mutilation. Yeah. Yeah. It might seem like Paul's mocking the religious arrogant and turning to them and saying, tell me again how you're qualified to do this. Tell me again all the things you've done that make you so wonderful. Tell me all the things that on Facebook that, that, that why you're better than everybody. Tell me all the things. Can we go back? Tell me all the things that I would look at you and go, isn't that so cool? How high and mighty you think of your opinions to be. Even your Jesus opinions. Gosh, it's so cool to sit here and listen to you talk. And Paul said, Paul is saying here, Listen. There's all kinds of know it alls in this world. There's opinionites, there's educatedites, there's politicalites, and there's the religiousites. They come from all over the place. But then Paul begins to teach, and he says this If any one of you thinks he may be confident in his flesh or in the flesh, I more so. He says, If any one of you think of your opinion to be so great, that you can't listen to me. I used to be that arrogant, even more so. And he begins to give his credentials. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, I knew every jot and every tittle, a Pharisee, concerning zeal. I even persecuted the church concerning the righteous, which is in the law, blameless. And Paul begins to give his list of every reason why he can stand before everyone and consider his opinion to be right. And Paul says, I didn't realize how wrong I was because all of this was mutilation to my faith. I was no more closer to Jesus Than the sinner in the streets. Today everyone has an opinion. And today everyone is an expert. Heck, welcome to the internet where everyone, where everyone's an expert and credentials don't matter. Isn't it true? Paul's turning to us and says, Quit being so prideful. In fact, for anybody who would turn and say, I'm right but you're doing it out of arrogance and you're doing it out of pride, but you're not stepping into the love of Jesus through, through his truth, we can say, I knew nothing before God showed me. And I am nothing because I haven't even mastered it yet. I can only tell you about it, but I just want to be honest with you. I haven't mastered it. Every day is a new revelation. Every day he is showing me more and more and more. If you're rich, don't be prideful with your wealth. But when we truly humble ourselves and submit our wealth to our Father, that's when we become true Christ followers. To the poor, don't become arrogant in your poor and hate everybody because they don't give and they don't help. Stop and realize that it's in your poorness that God wants to show you something and don't be arrogant in your poorness. But be humble and gentle. And maybe there's some arrogance you carry that you shouldn't. To all those in the room whose God has changed their heart. Now don't become religious. And for every sinner that wants to stand before every arrogant person. And say, well, God loves me just as I am. Think of the stupidity in that if you choose to stay where you're at and not conform to the image of God. For every sinner, don't be arrogant in your sin. For it is this arrogance that will cause us to experience everything opposite of God's best in our life. Don't be prideful. But when we humble ourselves before our Father... That is truly when we take, take one step closer to his heart. In verse 7 it says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. He says, "In all the things that I can tell you that I was, in the religiousness that I stood up and even crucified Christians because I thought that that's exactly what the zeal of knowing the law gives me the right to do. I had to die to my flesh to be able to stand before the presence of God. Paul says in verse 8, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain more church? No. The more ability to be right? No. He says the more ability to gain Christ. The more I died, the more he came into my life. Verse 9 says this. And to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. In this last verse, verse 10, Paul is saying, Every time I took one step closer to Christ, I began to understand. As I died to my flesh, I understood the death that Christ experienced on the cross. And he began to say, the more I'm learning how to live, it is in conjunction with the more I'm learning how to die. And the more life that Jesus is telling me about, is really wrapped around how much are you willing to let go. Yeah. And if I want to go where God wants me to go, how much death of letting go and letting my flesh die is taking place because you can't hold on to both at the very same time. This will preach to every marriage who just can't figure out why we're fighting all the time. And the question that I'm not asking is, who's winning? I'm not asking that question. I'm asking who's dying. Right. And for every person that's trying to figure out the secret to life, I don't want to hear what you're winning in. I'd really like to hear what you've died in. What have you let go of? For every person that wants to be successful to follow Jesus, and maybe they've come to the point where they don't feel like, I don't feel like God hears my prayers anymore. I don't feel like when I talk to God, he's listening. I don't feel that what I used to feel anymore. Let's not talk about winning just yet. Let's ask this question. Have you started dying? And it's not fun to talk about. But Paul says, this is where I really may attain the resurrection from the dead. Does this make sense? Verse 12. Not that I have already attained. And this is the coolest part. Paul says, guys, I'm still figuring this out. I mean, a lot of y'all are reading my letters. Y'all heard, a lot of you know I'm in prison and you've been blessing me and you keep saying, write more, write more. We want to hear more. You've just got this insight to following Jesus that we love. Tell us more. And Paul says, guys, it's not that I already attained this. I'm figuring it out every day. So for everybody in the room that you're sitting here and you're thinking, I don't know if I'm winning or not. We're all learning how to attain this daily. And it's not an immediate death. What we're talking about is if God's asking for it, am I willing to give it? If God's asking for it, am I willing to step it? If God's asking for it, am I willing to go for it? And may there be less of me and more of Him. And Paul says right here, I haven't attained it all yet. Or am already perfected. But I press on. Everybody say, but I press on. on. It means you just keep going. Just keep moving. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. This is the 830 crowd. They've never seen Dory. Yeah. (laughs) That I may lay hold of that which for Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Faith demands perseverance. Perseverance. Paul stops assumption, the assumption that if we've reached true Christian maturity, then we've officially arrived. And Paul addresses here, you don't officially reach full maturity. You just keep pressing on, and you just keep pressing on. Y'all know there are two types of people in the world. Those who finish, what they start, and... I didn't read it right, but it, come on, you'll get it. There you go. It's soaking in. There's two types of people in this world. Those who finish what they start and. So CG, what it means is, is that like the people <laughs> don't finish. And there you go. Yeah. And that's not going to be your faith. You're better than that. Because we just keep going. And we just keep going. And we just keep going. Let me, let me talk to everybody. Okay, if you're in this room right now, and there are things about your life that you really don't want to let go of. There's things about your life that you would go, this is how I am, and I'm just, I was made, born this way. I'm this I'm I'm, I'm this way. There will always be a safe place in this church for you. You know why? Because we're all still swimming. Does that make sense? We're all still swimming. But let me be very this is your warning sign. This is for everybody in this in this room that you know what God is saying to you, but you just refuse to be any different than God's best in your life. It's not a people thing. It's not a pastor thing. It's not a church thing, but it is a faith thing. And there is a day, I truly believe, where you have to just choose God's best for your life or choose your path for your life. And the Bible says that's what life boils down to. There are two paths. And one leads to bright and shiny lights and everybody's standing there going, you are awesome. You be you. You are great. I love you just the way you are. And there's another path and very few take it and the road is very narrow and there is no flashing lights and you can barely make out the path, but you see it and you choose it because you know that's the path Jesus wants for my life. And when you choose it, you step into life. One leads to death and one leads to life everlasting and eternal. You will always have two choices in life. Verse 12. Brethren, do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is me running from my past like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and that's just it. There are things I just had to run from, sprint from, drop it. We'll figure it out later. You say, well, Ty, did you pack before you left? Sometimes I just had to leave in the middle of the night, left everything behind, ran for my life. Because in my heart, and I hope in your heart too, you realize that we are pressing towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus in our life. Don't give me anything else, give me Jesus. What is the goal that God wants us to reach for? Number one, I think to believe Jesus will enable you to do anything that He asks you to do. For everybody in the room, you're you're trying to figure out how am I gonna do that? If he called you to do it, if he asked you to do it, if he wants you to do it, he will also provide for you to do it. Listen, if you're trying to get out of a situation, it, not, it may not be the front door you're supposed to go out. You may not have to, you're sitting there waiting. I just want everything to be perfect. I know it's God when the front door opens and I'm supposed to walk through. I, if it's not Jesus, find a window, find a chimney. Find, find, find the bathroom window. It may, you may have to fit your big body through a great big little window about this big. But wiggle your way through. May use the back door. But if it's not where God wants you to be, find a way out. Another thing to reach for God. Choose to be a constant disciple. Choose to be a constant disciple of Christ Jesus. Another one, if we're going to truly want to reach for Jesus, refuse to be a worrier. Come on, that'll preach. Quit being a worrier. When has worry ever changed anything in your life? And what part of faith is worrying about it? If we're truly going to reach for Jesus, we've got to walk in peace. Because Jesus provides the peace that passes all understanding. And when we're in Christ Jesus, we have the peace of knowing that God is in control of our life. And the, way, the waves can wade and the wind can blow. But I walk in peace. There will be all kinds of things that want to steal my peace. But I won't let go of my peace. Because this is me reaching for Christ Jesus to walk in peace. If I'm going to reach for Jesus, I'm going to have faith In all circumstances, all circumstances. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything, and if in you, anything, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Which means if along the path you get to thinking, are we sure this is God? Listen to a still, small voice saying, "Hey, come on, where'd you go? Hey, hey, where'd you go? Come back, come back. This is me. If along the way, God will reveal even this to you." Verse sixteen. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. What is he saying here? I want to make sure we're very clear on this. This is the part. What do we do as a family? We keep encouraging each other to follow Jesus. Let me say, you girls are going to have somebody come to you sometime and say, I just don't know what to do. And everything in you is going to want to solve their issues, help give them the right answers, solve their problems, push them along the way, pay for whatever it is they need. to. And there's just sometimes you need to just realize your only calling as a brother and a sister in the Lord is to say, hey, we're all following Jesus. What's that one thing God wants you to do? Let's follow Jesus together. If you don't know what to say to somebody, you turn to them and say, are you following Jesus? I think I am. No, no, no. Let's let's decide right now. Let's pray together. Come on. And, And right there on the spot, do we have the one mind and one accord that we are going to be fully devoted followers of Christ Jesus? You don't have to solve everybody's answers everybody's questions. You don't have to pay for everybody's troubles. When Jesus wants to prove to every one of us that he has the answer, he's the problem solver, their faith is going to increase because of his faithfulness. Our job is to be of the same mind. Let's get back on track to be fully devoted followers of Christ. And now we're gonna wrap this up. Are you guys ready? Okay. And Paul says this Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. He's saying, Look at the people who walk this way and talk this way. You know where I'm gonna go with this walk this way. Talk this way. Notice the people who are are following Jesus and follow this pattern. Gentlemen, can I invite you to Iron Man on Thursday, 6.30 in the morning? We are studying the book of John. We're done by 7.15ish, okay? There's donuts, there's coffee, and we study one chapter of the Bible every week. Would you come hang around some folks who are following Jesus so that we can develop a pattern To follow Jesus? Verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul says there are people who call themselves Christians. It's just a church experience. It's just a mutilation. They're no friend of Jesus. And you got to recognize these folks too. There's some people who take you to church and then show you how to live like the devil. Wow. He says pay attention to them too. Whose end is destruction, whose god is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. These aren't your friends. And as a fully devoted follower of Christ, you've got to recognize the ones who've chose the path that's not taken very often. And the one who are in wolves and sheep clothing, who just want to devour you and use you and hurt you and convince you of everything that is not God's best for your life. For he who has ears, let him hear. For our citizenship is in heaven, this is the very last thing, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lonely bodies. That it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able, even to, to, to subdue all things to him. And I'll say one more. The worship team's coming up. There's a last and final thing. One of, the, one of the coolest things that we've said in this series is a statement I stand by <clears throat> Don't get too attached to this world. Come on, listen to me. Don't get too attached to this world, folks. Don't get too attached to earthly things. Don't get too attached to all the things this world has. Because when it really boils down to it, as followers of Christ Jesus, heaven is our home. God's kingdom is our set of rules. And our Father is showing us our faith here. And when you get into heaven, I mean, let me just tell you, when you walk into heaven, faith isn't required anymore because you're standing in the very presence of God, our Father. And we're going to go home someday. But what are we chasing while we're here? Listen, I love this series because it's different than what we normally do. So I want you to do something. Would you stand to your feet, everybody? Our prayer team is coming forward. They're going to come over here and over here. But listen to me for just one second. And I'm going to get really serious for a very important reason. Have you been playing games with what you would call faith? And is it only a tradition or is it only something done on Sunday. And that has nothing to do with being a fully devoted follower of Christ Jesus. Now, if you're in this room and you're, you're man, you're just pressing forward. You're pressing forward. You're, you're doing it. But maybe you're in this room and I have been praying all week that this deep conviction would take place in your heart right now. That perhaps... We're not where God wants us to be. And perhaps you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. In this church, we are going to follow him with all of our heart. We're going to chase after him with everything in us. We're going to let things go to pick him up. But you can't do that with your own might and power. So as a family, we're going to worship God right now. And the worship team or the prayer team is going to be over here and and over here. And and, and if you're in this room and you're just struggling with something, something's big, it's on your heart and you want somebody to pray with you, they would love to pray for you. They really would. Maybe during this worship time, you allow God to massage some things into your heart that you know you need to have a conversation with him about right now. But perhaps you're in this room and you would say, Ty, Ty, I don't know Jesus. Well, let's take care of that. And I'm going to go over here to the corner. And if you're in this room and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I would love to pray with you. But you've got to have the courage to step out and meet me over there. Okay? Come on, let's worship the Lord together.